Section 14 of Our Search for a Wilderness by Mary Blair B.B. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Through the Coastal Wilderness with Indians and Canoe The most interesting observation we made on the launch trip from Hoori Creek down the Barama River was of a flocking of more than 200 big green caciques the birds of the liquid cow-bell notes which passed low overhead with a roar of cackling voices and a loud whistling of wings bound for some safe roosting place still another species to exhibit this common roosting habit we found farnum's deserted the family having gone down to georgetown so we took possession of the empty house swinging our hammocks on the porch and watching the sun sink over the river with the dark forest beyond growing ever darker as we had been told that there were no mosquitoes we had not hung our hammock nets and the droning hum of these miserable pests kept us awake for hours from across the river came the discontinuous labored puffs of an overloaded freight train pulling up a grade now and then the wheels would slip and four or five chugs would come in quick succession one could imagine the heavy trail of smoke and sparks the shining rails and the long line of heavy slowly moving cars then the sound ceased and far down the river another frog took up the chugging now and then the voice of a red baboon came to our ears and continually the mosquitoes zoomed and on the floor below our hammocks the dog whined unceasingly as he scratched his bet rouge when we opened our eyes lightning bugs of several candle power flashed above us in the thatch of the porch and by their light we could see big tarantulas dragging their prey here and there seeming ready to drop with fatigue at any moment all the sounds of the wilderness are lulling save that of mosquitoes when one is netless many times that night we wished ourselves back in the boat we had heard that there was a coast-wise way of returning to georgetown threading little known rivers and creeks in a small canoe the idea of exploring those charming little creeks at which all through the journey we had looked with longing was fascinating to us and we owe this realization of our dreams to mrs wilshire who planned the trip and gave it to us as a surprise this proved to be the most wonderful canoe voyage which any of us had ever taken for five days we were paddled portaged towed and pushed through a wonderland abounding in rarely beautiful birds butterflies and orchids we slept at night under our tiny tarpaulin or invaded and were made welcome at little isolated indian missions our pen falters at the thought of attempting to give any idea of the wonders of that trip but day by day we set down our impressions as best we could and here are some of them it was almost noon on the sixteenth of march before we had our men luggage and canoe in readiness to start pushing off we said good-bye to the rest of the party including crandall 
and his precious cargo of red-backed caciques and other live birds they were to return via morahana and the mazaruni direct to georgetown we secured a little canoe or ballyhoo about fifteen feet long with a tarpaulin stretched over the center in the bow were four indian paddlers two men and two boys while in the stern as steersman and paddler was a splendidly built carib indian marciano chief of the hoori woodmen amidships we piled our luggage and we distributed ourselves over and around the clothing bags and larder boxes mr and mrs wilshire and we too composed the list of passengers and the unceasing pleasure of those five days was a good test of mutual congeniality and adaptability to bush travel the stroke adopted by our indians was a peculiar one which we were to hear all day and often throughout the night for these men of the wilderness short and stocky in build seemed tireless and hour after hour they would keep hard at work sometimes for as much as thirty-six hours at a stretch with only a brief nap or two the indian paddle rhythm set by little pedro the younger boy in the bow accentuated every other stroke the tempo of the strokes becoming more and more rapid until when further speed was impossible one stroke was suddenly omitted and the gap thus formed marked the new slow tempo which in turn in the course of fifteen to twenty strokes of the paddle would work up to a climax and the former rhythm begin again all kept perfect time the new change not being inaugurated on any exact stroke but the others seeming to know instinctively when it would come whether they were eating talking or looking behind them it was the same all changed as one man two or three hours after starting we made a landing in order that the indians could cook their breakfast invariably composed of a combination of pork dried fish rice and cassava this menu was varied only when one or more of the ingredients happened not to be procurable sometimes for many days the guiana indians worked hard upon nothing but cassava the jungle was thick about the little clearing which they made for a fire and word passed rapidly along the lines of parasol ants that manna was available in the form of rice and breadcrumbs a few minutes after a bit of food was thrown down it would mysteriously take legs to itself and begin to walk away the motor power being myriads of these interesting insects big-headed soldiers patrolled all along the winding trail of foragers troubling no one unless they were disturbed or the workers attacked several species of orchids brassias and others unknown to us were in blossom all about us on we went again becoming more and more delighted with our method of travel there was no puffing smelly kerosene engine no clatter of many tongues and we were close to the water with nothing overhead between us and the sky or the overhanging branches 
the typical river birds paid little attention to our silent craft and we were able to watch giant kingfishers guiana cormorants snake birds parakeets and swallows at close range in sheltered places along the bank our canoe pushed through unbroken masses of the floating rosettes of leaves known as the shell flower pistia stratiotes the leaves are shell-shaped thick strongly ribbed and light velvety green in color covered with a coat of short dense hairs which repel the water so that when pushed beneath the surface the plant bobs up as dry as before thousands of these little plants become detached from their sheltered bays and are carried out to sea where they decay and disappear small water hyacinths were less common the river was full from recent rains in the interior and in some places for several hundred yards the surface was thickly covered with innumerable small yellow blossoms splashed with scarlet at their hearts while every now and then a large purple pea blossom would be seen these had doubtless fallen from the treetops where the river was narrower and the vines and branches overhung the stream many insects were carried down afloat on the blossoms and now and then a great hairy tarantula would appear with each of its eight feet in a blossom trying to keep his balance until he could reach solid ground again agami herons beautiful in their plumage of glossy green chestnut and blue were standing here and there in the shallows snatching the insects from the petals as they floated past at four o'clock in the afternoon we left the baramani river which had averaged about two hundred feet in width and entered the charming little biara which was only about sixty feet from shore to shore here the vegetation was very dense water lilies in hundreds with curious serrated leaves and a profusion of the sweetest of flowers we were paddling through literally a river of water lilies clavelina blooms hung low over our faces wild cocoa pods showed rich brown among the foliage mucka mucka with its great heart-shaped leaves was everywhere a plant which on a later trip was to interest us as forming the food of the hoatzin the air was filled with the sweet penetrating calls of the goldbirds and woodhewers and now and then the puppy-like yaps of toucans pendant nests were numerous built so far out over the water that we could touch them as we passed thus safe from marauding monkey and opossum the stream was dotted with islets varying from a few inches to as many yards in circumference crowded with ferns and graceful sedges all perfectly reflected in the mirror like water one such islet of the smallest size was crowned with a single petaled white calla lily surrounded by a host of tiny purple orchid blossoms a square foot of perfect beauty and perfume set in the ebony water seldom were we out of sight of flowering orchid vine bush or tree orchids were in the ascendant 
and our tarpaulin brushed against long golden showers graceful shoots of cattleyas and curious green spider orchids there seems to be no autumn in this land and death comes only to single leaves while the variegated scarlet and yellow hues of new sprouting foliage made brilliant every bend of the stream the moriche or etta palm is dominant here and the vegetation of these lesser streams is dense and bushy intimate and delightful rather than grand and awe-inspiring as along the forest rim of the barama toucans and ant birds darted across the water ahead of us tree ferns stretched out their graceful fronds and sifted their pollen down upon us the bird songs of this region are not long and elaborate but there was no dearth of most delightful liquid phrases usually loud and penetrating six songs all wholly unlike one another reached us that day all unknown mysterious we steered close to the bank and picked a wild cocoa pod but found it unripe and the beans had only a raw aroma two long-snouted weevils crawled from the heart of the pod one of the myriad hidden forms of life in this wonderland now and then we passed a little open grassy savanna where the water was no longer brown but a clear black from the steeping of the decaying vegetation in many places the water leaves showed where manatees had been browsing and occasionally we caught sight of the huge ungainly creatures as they swam slowly upstream or nosed the vegetation along the bank all this and much else we passed in an hour and at five o'clock entered a third stream the barra barra the whole country hereabouts is swampy so when at dark we stopped for our evening meal we did not land but rested quietly among the lily pads the indians ate as they did everything else silently with only now and then some low guttural ejaculation we flashed our powerful electric light upon the lily pads and found that the water was full of active life scores of little fishes were resting motionless in the thin film of water covering the lily leaves some with the basal half of the body and two lines up and down from the eyes black marciano called them salaver in addition to other very slender fish there were numbers of little freshwater prawns shooting about among the maze of fanwort beneath the pads the glint of strange shapes came to us tiny cyclops and others which the human eye was powerless to name without a microscope we sat in the darkness listening to the sounds of the swampy jungle not a mosquito hummed and the frogs eclipsed all other lesser noises calling in basso and treble with tinkling bells and a clear ringing chime like the aeolian singing of a telegraph wire marciano climbed back to his seat in the stern gave an order and the paddles pushed sluggishly through the pads carrying fear and tumult to thousands of little aquatic lives the next four hours we shall never forget as long as we live 
on and on we went through the pitchy darkness guided solely by the light of the little bow lantern the bush ropes ahead stood out in sharp silhouette like giant serpents coiled in mid-air across our path the night seemed to press in on our tiny atom of life the shadows of the waving arms of the paddlers were thrown on the foliage behind the boat looking like some huge spider-like thing forever following it the sheets and drops of water thrown up by the indians gleamed like molten silver the open savannas increased in size and extended further on each side than the shaft of electric light could carry great tufts of pampas grass towered high above our heads drooping gracefully outward in all directions the channel narrowed and the lily blossoms increased until the water was thickly studded with them their odor hung heavy on the air and when one of the blossoms itself was smelled the perfume was as sweet and as overpowering as chloroform during the day they had been all but odorless for miles we pushed through the tangle of water plants in places the men having to drag and push the boat over the reeds and grasses crushing scores of spider lilies with the keel this is the backwater divide between the rivers which flow northward into the waini and those which flow to the south during the dry season this route becomes impassable later we came to open pond-like spaces and here we found another species of water lily with a smaller flower and a smooth edged leaf with maroon colored underside owls large moths and bats occasionally flitted across the field of light it was half past ten at night when marciano told us that we were turning into the maruca river we were to follow this river down to the very sea but here it was barely distinguishable as a narrow channel through the grass and reeds another hour passed and several dark forms loomed up in the dim light of our lantern and when we reached them we found that they were boats tied to a rough sort of landing we climbed out and stumbled sleepily about getting the cramped feeling out of our bodies then when the indians had tied up the boat and slung our hammock bags over their backs we followed them up the long avenue of lofty coconut palms which stretched down to the water's edge we felt our way slowly in the darkness walking stiffly and uncertainly after the cramped position in which we had been compelled to sit for so many hours at last marciano held high his lantern and we saw towering before us a huge white cross instinctively we all paused reverently whatever one's faith may be it is impossible to come thus upon the symbol of a great and ancient church standing in the midst of a vast and primeval wilderness without a feeling of awe and reverence there in the teeming ceaseless life of the wilderness was the mystery of creation and there stood the white cross a symbol of man's attempt to solve the tremendous problem of creation and immortality 
the light revealed a crude little church with an adjoining building standing behind the cross to this other building the indians led us we knocked gently then harder then pounded no response half a dozen dogs gathered and howled mournfully at last finding a side door ajar we entered a spacious room part dining room part schoolroom with a loom and a half-finished indian hammock in one corner we called and shouted we pounded on the floor and walls and at last from the distance upstairs came an answering roar down to us came the jolliest priest we ever hoped to meet two strange men and women had invaded his castle at midnight routing him out of well-earned rest and yet his welcome was as warm as though we were expected friends our jovial host furnished us with lights and gave us permission to sling our hammocks from the rafters of the great schoolroom about one o'clock in the morning we rolled into our swinging couches completely tired out but sleep was not to be had at once an ominous gritting squeak was heard then another and our faces were softly fanned by invisible wings vampires came the exclamation from the furthermost hammock never mind them answered a sleepy voice from mr wilshire's hammock doctors say bleeding is healthful the scientist echoed his sentiments but in vain we had to dive down into the clothing bags and pull out the hammock nets now these articles are somewhat difficult to adjust under the best of conditions and this night they were perversity itself we found that in the packing at hoori the nets had become mixed and two were of an unknown pattern with apparently no entrance hole except at the ends a hammock net is shaped like a buttoned-up coat with a hammock running through the sleeve portions it is an acrobatic feat not soon to be forgotten when one is dead tired and in the dark and has to enter his net by climbing up to the end of the hammock rope and sliding down through a small long chute of netting it was two in the morning before we were settled and as we finally dropped asleep a score of fierce little demon faces were squeaking and gibbering at us at six o'clock the following morning we were awakened by a dozen little naked indian boys flitting silently about peering at us like tiny copper elves or like human incarnations of the bats which had hovered about us during the night going outdoors in the dusk we heard a perfect medley of bird notes wrens thrushes tanagers seed-eaters all giving voice at once while from the further end of the coconut walk came a chorus from a colony of yellow-backed caciques. We saw the mission cat teasing something and took from her a tiny opossum with fur of richest brown and no larger than a mouse. The little creature was unhurt, but played possum until it recovered from its fear when it made itself at home in a small suitcase when our jolly priest appeared to wish us good morning the little indian lads bowed their bronze figures reverently and kissed his hand some of them busied themselves weaving a hammock 
while others set the table and later served us at breakfast our priest was like the genial monk of a medieval story he was delightful with his tribe of small indian boys ordering them about in a great voice but with his eyes beaming with affection for them man alive he would shout bring the finger bowls and to our amazement the wee naked valet not only knew what finger bowls were but actually produced them passing them around the table with colossal dignity that man's a linguist the father added he speaks english spanish and several indian dialects the good father's heart was overflowing with kindness toward every living thing he could not even bear to see his cat waiting hungrily for her breakfast but ordered his small butler at once to give her some milk we wondered why the father's indian boys had such straight slim well-proportioned figures instead of the unwieldy cassava stomachs so characteristic of the little savage indians with a twinkle in his eye the father told us that his first step in converting the small indian lad to christianity was a huge dose of castor oil then regular hours and regular meals of nourishing food instead of allowing them to munch cassava all day then one might proceed by teaching them the doctrine and always a useful trade while after that was achieved there was plenty of time for a more literary education if the individual warranted it he had reason to be proud of his method for in all our travels we never met a missionary whose works spoke louder than those of father gillette for the most successful and worthy indians in the colony had been trained by him some of them had become excellent engineers others priests and still others had learned good trades after breakfast the father took us through the chapel followed by his dusky little tribe all crossing themselves piously before the altar he showed us with pride the decorations of the altar and the ceiling all the work of himself and his little indians the ceiling represented the dome of heaven bright blue and dotted with a multitude of white stars when we called our little pedro the youngest of our indian paddlers to tell marciano that we were ready father gillette's eyes filled with tears and he said is your name pedro i lost a lovely pedro he died of fever last easter i did not know i could miss him so much he used to talk to me he was not like the other indian boys he loved to talk then turning to us he added simply it is a lonely life sometimes you know end of section fourteen